This is Talk and Audio. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. So come and get it. Away we go on an all-new episode of the Talk and Audio podcast. Matt Robinson here with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Alongside Van Sand 3000, drinking on TCA. Vanessa Sanchez <laughs> is back. How are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad you uh, you agreed to come back. We didn't scare you off the first time. No, oh my, you played Michael Bolton for me. You yeah, could a, not have scared a bunch. me off. Like, like a how lot. was I not going to? Um, <laughs> and I've actually introduced a few people after that episode to his uh, Lonely Island I uh, collaboration. Appreciate that. Fantastic. Thank you for doing God's work. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Talk and Audio, Facebook.com slash Talk and Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, wherever you are. There's a subscribe button, there's a follow button. Go ahead and hit it. Uh, you're going to love it. Vanessa, what are we drinking today? I, as I think you I know, know the answer. But, uh, uh, no, actually. Oh, we got something I went new? a little bit different today because I was feeling a bit lazy. It's a long weekend, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just went for a little special lemonade. Oh, okay. It's just Tropicana lemonade and some Belvedere. All right. Yeah. We like that. All right. <laughs> no bubbles. Uh, no. <laughs> this is, uh, I got one that, um, honestly, throughout the summer, I've been trying to uh, to get off the cliched mat. It's always stout. It's always mm-hmm. porters. It's always brown ales. It's things like that. And I've had a pile of pale ales and cream ales and IPAs. And uh, as you mentioned, it's the end of the last long weekend of the summer. Mm-hmm. It's almost fall. Fuck it. I'm having a porter. <laughs> it's time. I'm back. I'm ready. It is stout season. It is porter season. It always is. But, uh, but this is going to be uh, from the Clifford Brewing Company down in Hamilton. And uh, this is just their, uh, they call it their porter strong beer. It's 5.9%. That, to me, that's not that strong. I guess for a porter, it's not bad, but uh, by no means going to crush me or anything like that, which good. I don't know. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> You've had enough on uh, She's Got Game of Having to Ride Solo, I guess. It's no exactly. Good. Yeah, don't do it to me. <laughs> uh, Vanessa Sanchez, of course, co-hosts uh, She's Got Game on TSN Radio every weekend. Um, I wanted to ask you something mm-hmm. as I crack my... Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, no? That's all right. Do you want to do another one? No. Uh, eventually. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask you because I, I was thinking about this the other day as I was doing one of these uh, Godforsaken solo podcasts <laughs> that uh, I've done over the last week or so. This weekend, mm-hmm. this day still kind of brings back like these weird, almost New Year's Eve feelings like a turning of the page like something new is about to happen i think part of it is that it's like so programmed into you all the mm-hmm. way through your childhood that I, like yes you get this too today yeah. i had this feeling all day long and i was like why do i feel like this i, I was just i it's had like just stuff. another tuesday for it's us ju- tomorrow exactly like no. there's nothing new that is going to be happening to you tomorrow it's going to be the same as last week i but all day i had this uneasiness uneasiness yeah. and then like around three o'clock it hit me it was like oh my god it's school. back to school <laughs> <laughs> i've been out of school for oh, it, oh god for me, i don't it's even been, know, I, I don't like even, I, yeah at least I, I for me it's been you know more than that and i just it's there's still, always something like this turning of the page yeah. or like something's out there looming that's yeah. gonna we're just like tomorrow no you're just gonna wake up and, <laughs> and do Tuesday things. It's gonna be the same old. My sister-in-law is a teacher. Yeah. She's a grade one teacher, and she was sending me pictures last week of her new classroom. And I was looking at it and I was like, 
in my like adult mind, I was like, oh, it looks so nice. She's doing such a great job setting everything up. Sure. But in my like subconscious, I was like, ooh. No, gross. Ooh, no, <laughs> I don't like, stop sending me these pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. And like, to me, it's, it's still just like, even into the last week, it's sort of like something bad's about mm-hmm. to happen. You're like, yeah, but not to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Even like with the, like this crisp, fall air that's coming like first thing in the morning you wake up and you've got that little bit of a chill and it's like oh no it's 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 school it's happening yeah i'm glad this isn't me because i like i like it's not just me i mean like that other people kind of still get this kind of weird ptsd about uh you know, because I, I I don't have my back to school shoes yet, like my, my new indoors <laughs> or whatever. I forgot I, to buy my duotang. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I got two little guys in my uh, in my world that are both starting their first day of JK this oh. week, and they're excited, and they don't know yet that it's now going to be like thirteen years of just. This is forever now, this guys. Is, this is what you do. Yeah. This is now your life. Aww. But they're loving it now. That's they're, that's good. Yeah. Don't crush that optimism. No. No. It'll get crushed it. on its own. <laughs> exactly. The I world will do that. Yeah, I don't have to help with that. <laughs> don't let Uncle Matt get in there, No. Um, how was your summer? I, I, I was going to ask you in kind of a general sense, but in the green room there before we started, it was apparently more eventful than I thought. <laughs> you've, uh, you've done a little traveling. You've been around. What's your summer look yeah, like? Yeah, it was a very good summer. I uh, I was in Europe for a little bit. I was in London uh, for about a week. Very beautiful. Um, climate change is hitting them hard, so it was very warm. <laughs> um, I benefited, I guess, from the effects of climate change. It was, it was hot and sunny in London. Then I went to Barcelona. It was very nice to be there as yeah. well. I've never been to Barcelona before, um, so got to explore that a little bit. And then I went to Malaga, which is on the southern coast of Spain, hmm. which is close to where I lived and where my family's from. So that was more Sorry, like where a, you lived? Yeah, I used to live in Spain when I was a kid. I lived on uh, on the southern coast in a, a town called Almuñacar. Huh. Yeah, and it I was. I guess that didn't come up last time you were it here. It did not. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's so many mysterious things about me, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's one of them. So I didn't go back to my little hometown, but um, but Malaga is the the big city on the southern coast. So right. I went back, and oh my god, it was so amazing. The sun and the beach and the food. I cannot get over the food. It's so cheap to eat there it is so expensive to be alive in canada right now (laughs) and we i mean we went to london first london was very expensive as expected it's london barcelona was a little bit better it was more comparable i guess to here sure um but malaga was just like you could eat full meals for you know 10 euros and like you're getting drinks included in that, and but like it's, it's got to be relative, right? Like you're making less, you, no? Maybe, maybe, I no? Have no. Okay, yeah. What I'm talking about? I, I mean, what do I know? As soon as I got back, I was like, I got to move there okay. again. Yeah. I have to go back. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get to the point where I was looking for jobs <laughs> and, and looking at salaries, no, okay. so I don't know what cost of living is like. But I was shocked at how cheap everything was. I went to a concert. So Blues Fest was going on here in Ottawa yes. um, at the same time as that I was there. And, you know, people were sending me pictures of like just like beer being $15 yeah. for a can. Just like ridiculous. I went to a concert there. I went to see um, Rosalia. Which sure. You probably. Yep. Yep. That was exactly <laughs> what I expected from you. Um, and they had like every drink was like two euros and you get or oh. sorry it was three euros and you got a re, uh, refillable cup so you just cool. keep going back. like <laughs> yeah. three euros for like a legit 
drink yeah. like wine. And because that's, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something else. So all that to say, I am moving back to Spain eventually. Well, it seems like uh, you hightailed it out of there just in time. I did. I left uh, and like the next day, the wildfires started yeah. along the southern coast. Uh, my brother actually got there a few days later for his honeymoon and they kind of experienced a little bit of it. Um Wildfires are a pretty common thing in southern Spain. I remember it a lot when I was a kid. Right. But yeah, it was it was a bit less scary so there. in France. And <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and England. Yeah, like it was just, it was so bad in England. The day we left, because we went from Malaga back up to Barcelona, then back up to London before coming back to Canada. And the day after we left London, uh, it was going to be like forty degrees. <sighs> Everything shut down. Yeah. They were panicking. There was like PSAs everywhere. Just like every digital board was saying like, stay inside tomorrow. Don't leave. The trains are closed. The airports are closing. Everybody chill. And we were like, okay, we got to go back home. Time to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. it's time for To Canada. our own 40 degree hellscape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least you know how to deal with it. Yeah, I know yeah. for we sure. We have AC. Yeah. Yeah. It was something. Sounds like an RA trip. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had a good time. It was nice to be... Back in the homeland, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I recognize the last name and everything. I just mm-hmm. had no idea you lived over there. That's yeah. My parents, um, like, I was born and raised here. Uh, my parents both born here, too. But um, we used to go and spend the summers in Spain when I was little. And then one year, it was like, I don't know, midlife crisis or something. They were in their <laughs> 30s. My parents were in their 30s. And they were like, oh, why not? Let's just sure. let's just do it. Yeah. So I was 12. My middle brother was uh, 9 or 10. And my youngest brother was not born yet. Um, and then we moved to Spain. We were there for a year. And then. Are you fluent in Spanish? Uh, I, <laughs> let me finish this drink so, and then ask me again. <laughs> I just wonder, like, what it's like be. being dropped in at 12 years old into a school and. I spoke no Spanish at all. Okay. Like, th- like the little bits when we would go for the summers before, I like kind of learned here and there, but yeah. we moved there and I knew absolutely nothing. And it was like, we got there and we went into public school. Yeah. Like it was like no special English. <laughs> I actually, this is ridiculous, but I helped rewrite the English curriculum and taught it to my grade eight class while I was there. As a 13 year old. As a 13 year old. Yeah. That's, that's got to be. Because the English teacher could not speak English. <laughs> So I taught him. And That's all right. I've else. had some French teachers here that could not <laughs> speak French. And uh, I guess it happens. It happens. It happens. I it's mean, always it's like, good to know a 13-year-old's <laughs> teaching classes. It's... I think I set those other, my fellow classmates up for success with, <laughs> with that. Yeah. I taught them the good stuff. Uh, speaking well, of good stuff, mm-hmm. we saw Team Canada. We sure did. Do the thing again this weekend. Uh, the uh, Women's World Hockey Championships mm-hmm. wrapped up. Canada, USA, to nobody's surprise. Absolutely not. But there's almost never a bad one. And uh, this one stayed close all the way through. Um, and uh, they went right at the end of the, the very end of the game. It came down to uh, the puck being on Kendall Coyne, Schofield stick, and Renee Debien at her mercy. And just by the grace of God, it <laughs> stayed out of the net. Uh, Canada wins. You know, a, a world championship earlier this year, they win an Olympic gold. And last August, they win a world championship again. This kind of on the heels of the Americans having been on a bit of a run with a bunch of world championships in a row, defending Olympic champions. 
what'd you make of the tournament? And, you know, is, is it just kind of the way this rivalry goes right now that, you know, Canada's just on a bit of a run and there's nothing, or have they made, you know, some necessary adjustments and they kind of have the upper hand in this rivalry right now? What'd you see? I think it's that. I think they made some adjustments. They do have the upper hand, but this is a rivalry that like the beauty of it is that it's cyclical. They go up and down, they trade it back and forth. And as much as I hate when the Americans win anything ever, um, I do like that part of this rivalry. Mm -hmm. It is a good back and forth. And, you know, it's never a shock who's going to be in the finals. It's always going to be those two teams. Um, I hope one day that, you know, we can get some a different opponent sure. uh, than the Americans in the final. Um, some kind of diversity up there. But, like, this is just this is just it. And, and no one's shocked. It, the only surprising part now is, is like, who wins. Mm-hmm. And luckily, for the past 369 days, nice. Nice. Um, it's been Canada. Like, three, three wins, three golds in one year, which is pretty wild. You asked me what I made of the tournament. I have to tell you, I didn't watch a ton of it because Mm -hmm. I still find it so uncomfortable to watch hockey in August. Yeah, there is some of that going on. And it was right on the heels of an August World Juniors. Exactly, which again, I didn't watch that either because it felt weird. I don't think anybody did. It was, was, yeah, it just, it feels wrong in a weird way to watch. I normally would agree with you. I'm starting to get used to it. Yeah. like 2020, the NHL, everybody ran into the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. That was when they kind of kickstarted things. 2021, the Women's Worlds had to be pushed into August, so I watched it then. This year, it's like it's still a little weird, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I could get really? used to this August hockey that kind of gets ready to tee up the rest of the season again. It was mm-hmm. odd, though. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I uh, you know, thought was, was great is we saw you know, Czechia have a really good tournament and, and grab their first ever medal. Uh, playing Switzerland in the bronze medal game. I don't think anybody in their wildest imagination would have thought that, you know, Finland would struggle the way that they did. So, you know, we have seen in the past Finland jump up and play the United States in a gold medal game. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we've seen a couple teams get by them. You know, I I think on everybody's best day, yeah, it's still Canada, USA, and then um, kind of this other group, but I think that other group is expanding, right? Japan looked better than mm-hmm. they have in, in previous years. Like it does seem like there is noticeable progress being made as long as you, you stick with this, right? And exactly. people tend to rip it when they're not competitive, but you have to go through this to, to get it to where you want. It. And we're seeing mm-hmm. it. We're seeing more teams, more players end up on the podium. It's, mm-hmm. it's been kind of cool. It's true. This is the growth of the game that they talk about. You have to go through this like awkward period, I guess, before we can really see. And you're right. Like this group is expanding this like, you know, B group, I guess the, sure. the next, the next best. Yeah. It's expanding. And I think that gap is closing. It too. is for sure. Like we've seen it. We saw it this week. The Czechia, you know, this historic run was, was like so fun and so different from what we're used to. Like this is, this is it in action. This is this growth of the game in action. Right. Mm -hmm. Is there, you know, I'm sort of with you. This was very similar to the way I took in the world juniors, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I would kind of check in as the round Robin went on. Mm -hmm. And then as it got bigger and bigger, you're watching more and more. Obviously, even in the round robin, I watched the Canada-USA game at the, mm-hmm. the Women's Worlds and then obviously watched uh, the semi and then and then the final. Is there like a takeaway performance 
for you from what you did see? Uh, you know, it was kind of cool to see Sarah Nurse have such a good tournament after being named the uh, cover athlete on the EA Sports mm-hmm. uh, NHL game. That was kind of cool to see. Sarah Fillier continues to um, show where she's going to be. And Renee Debian was sensational in that gold medal game. Like, yeah. are there any performances that you will walk away from this one going, this is probably the player that I will remember most from this tournament? It's probably Debian and probably because of that last minute, yeah. like minister of defense kind of action. <laughs> like that's, it's gotta be it. it. The the game was literally like on the line, literally on the line. And she saved it. She, she won that gold medal. I think it's probably her. Yeah. Um, if the Americans had won, for sure it would have been Hillary Knight. Yeah. She, you know, very sadly broke um, Wickenheiser. uh, Wickenheiser's uh, all-time points all-time, thank you. Uh, world championship With like points, 87, uh, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And she did it in a game that the U.S. won 12-1 against Hungary, which is wild. I don't even know how they. And I think it happened. was taken away from her, and she's just like, "Whatever, I'll just get." Because I, like, I think there was an assist where she set the record, and they took yes. the assist away, and then she's like, "Whatever, I'll just go I'll score." Just score a goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do it better. Yeah, but, yeah. I'd rather it could happen on a goal yeah. anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah, sucks for her that you know they couldn't win because I think her that could have been like the perfect tournament for the U.S. Yeah. Um, but. Um, sucks to suck that's yeah. a bad thing to say no i think we're all uh, yeah. we're all on side with that yeah okay point. good, good. Uh, to me it was yeah it was a fun tournament it was cool to see the the celebration afterwards it always is mm-hmm. i wanted to get your thoughts though on hockey canada allowing scott smith to mm-hmm. uh come down and present the gold medals and for i know most people are are at least vaguely familiar with the hockey canada scandal that's going on right now in terms of things that have happened on the world junior teams in 2018 and 2003 uh we've seen some other potential cases hinted at as well they've been hauled in front of the the government to mm-hmm. to testify and there's been a ton of pressure not just by the government but by their advertisers and their sponsors to turn over this board, right? Get some new faces in there. And we even saw a story just before the tournament began. I believe it was Robin Doolittle who reported that Hockey Canada had reached out to some of those sponsors that, yeah, you know what? If we just fired this person and this person, would that be enough to make you like really gross kind of, mm-hmm. we don't really want to change. What would be enough to make you come back? Um, Anyway, Scott Smith is the CEO and uh, depending on who you ask, you know, he should be left alone because he wasn't CEO when these things happened, but he was very much part of of the uh, of the team that ran the organization. That's how you end up getting promoted into these roles. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He, he was, I guess, what, the only one available <laughs> to hand out the medals to the Canadian women's team as they want. And this is a Canadian women's team who said earlier this year when they were seeing all about these, uh, seeing these scandals, um, we need a new Hockey Canada, mm-hmm. was was their quote. And the w- Hockey Canada women's team was not implicated in any way in this. I don't know, to see him come out to present the medals was kind of gross to me. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. It was, I think, so self-serving. Um, I just, it, it felt icky. It feels... Going back to World Juniors, I didn't watch much of the World Juniors because of that sort of ick factor. It just, like, I just didn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I know that these kids on the ice, you know, 
hopefully have nothing to do with what is going on. But like it just still felt kind of wrong. And maybe a little bit of that was the reason why I didn't watch so much hockey during these women's worlds either. Like I just like Hockey Canada is just not. Oh, I can swear here. They're sure you can. Up. Yes, they are. Very <laughs> and, much. And it just, it feels wrong to support them. Even the Canadian women who did nothing wrong yep. and and who are only suffering from this, you know, having lost sponsors and money and all of that stuff. It, it just feels wrong. And I think seeing him there, the other part of me, I am, you know, I do this sports stuff yeah. uh, for fun and because I love it, but my professional day job, I am a communication strategist Mm -hmm. and I feel so terrible for the communications team that has to deal with the fallout of this specifically amongst absolutely everything else. But why add on to the job of now having to answer to this of all of the people they could have sent to Denmark to hand out these medals. It had to be him. It couldn't have been anybody else. Like, I, it, that's bullshit. There, of course, were other people that could have done it. The tournament director could have done it. Like anyone from Denmark could have done it. There was no reason for him to go all the way there. And was there no one that said along the way, like, oh, maybe this isn't a good idea? Exactly. Which is why I, I say that it's self-serving. I think people probably did. There's no way that there's only yes men surrounding him. I'm sure there were people along the way who said, maybe it's not the greatest idea. And I think he decided that it was. Yeah, they want you to associate Hockey Canada (laughs) and him again with, look at this, look at this nice story, Mm -hmm. right? We won again. Here he is handing our athletes their medals. It was fucking gross. It was. And like you said, you could have had just about anybody else do it. And the only reason to do it, quite frankly, as you've already said, is just to kind of retrain everybody, mm-hmm. reassociate what everyone loves about Hockey Canada and these moments, and to have him standing there with this team who, had, like I mentioned off the top, had already suggested, hey, we probably need a new Hockey Canada. What are those athletes supposed to do? Not take their medal? Right. Like you've put them in a terrible spot. Who knows how many of them are thinking, oh, are we really a part of this, mm-hmm. you know, obviously an exaggeration or maybe not the right term, but this Hockey Canada propaganda now, right? Like that. really. And especially like these were, this whole thing, this whole Hockey Canada, you know, the issue, the scandal, whatever you want to call it, has stemmed from a sexual assault case against a woman. Mm -hmm. And now these women are the ones who, you know, are, are, Hockey Canada players, yep. the the team as women, like that's putting them in such an uncomfortable position as uh, women. You, <laughs> like, you already pointed it out, right? They knew this was not a cool thing to yeah. do. You could have, if you cared about the athlete mm-hmm. and understood the moment that you're facing right now and the way people feel, whether it be the athletes or the families or even the viewers and fans, yeah you would take a step back and Mm -hmm. say, this is not the time to insert Hockey Canada bullshit into it. And instead Mm -hmm. you went the other way and said, look at us, look at all the good stuff we do. Remember how much he used to love us? No, fuck off. It was a Mm -hmm. terrible look. God, was it ever. I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. Why is he still there? Why is he still there? The board seems to think like, nah, we're going to stand behind him. He didn't do anything wrong. And I look. Even if he didn't do anything wrong, you're the face of it. You're the face of it. You 
for whatever kind of maybe let's just call it bad luck. I don't think it is because he has been he in was around yeah. for a long time. But yeah. let's just say it's bad luck that he took over the You're on CEO top position. right now, man. You're going down. Exactly. You're on top right now. And we need a facelift. We need not just a face. We need like a huge a revamp, an yeah. overhaul, maybe an entirely new governing body Could be. of hockey in Canada. And like you just got to eat that, bud. Yeah. Sorry, man. It it's sucks, on you. It's on your plate this yeah. time. Yeah. And it's not like, look, as gross as it is to say, he'd get fired or removed or resign or whatever. And within two, three months, he's got a assistant GM job for the Oilers or mm-hmm. the, and look, it's not a fair thing to say to the Oilers, although they do employ Bob Nicholson. Uh, these people have connections. It would not be the end of his career. Mm-hmm. He would get scooped up somewhere else. The fact that they just refuse to address this in any meaningful way is, I don't know, it's pretty telling. They had somebody on. I remember now whether it was during the gold medal game or the semifinal on behalf of Hockey Canada mm-hmm. trying to remind you all of look at all the good stuff we do and you're like this is so not the time and I I do think I remember being impressed off the top of the World Junior the very first game of the World Juniors mm-hmm. they did the entire half hour of their first pregame show dedicated to uh, to talking about this and they had Cheryl Pounder on and asked her to speak like what does this mean to you right now when you look at everything you've accomplished in your career, but that Hockey Canada logo is now on all those uniforms. You know, how do you feel? And she was very honest and said, like, I still take tremendous pride in my career as she should. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I love all my teammates, everything. But there is a part of me now that when I look at these, that logo, it makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Like to just, and that sucks that a player who's not been implicated in anything is now tied to that. Mm-hmm. Logo. I, I even wondered during the World Juniors, could you just take that logo off? Like, could you just wear a maple leaf? Could you just, instead of that Hockey Canada logo, mm-hmm. right? And just let people, if you want people to just cheer for these teenagers who had nothing to do with it, take that yeah. reminder off, right? Stop the corporate advertising mm-hmm. for one or two tournaments and they just have no interest. They don't get where people are at with this, clearly. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know how they can't know. It, I feel like it's been pretty, it's made pretty clear. When the prime minister is saying Canadians do not have faith right. in Hockey Canada, like, you can't put it anymore. This is the time of year where all kinds of parents at Junior A, Junior B, mm-hmm. whatever, getting ready to send their kids off to, you know, billet families who are not the problem, but you are essentially handing your kids over to these franchises across, you got to be able to trust Hockey Canada to come in and and be stern and do the right things and not be the ones on the defensive, like the ones who have fucked up, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, you were talking about how sad it is that, you know, Cheryl Pounder was saying that 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 logo, like that, all all Canadian kids who have played hockey – are implicated it yeah. in some way now. Like that logo means something because of the way they have used registration funds. Yes. Like they have used it in, you know, they've put away, I don't know how much, into some sort of a slush fund, That's right? right? Every athlete who registers to play in a Timbits or mm-hmm. Hockey Canada program, anywhere across Canada, the kid, a small portion of your money to register your kid goes into a fund that is sometimes used to pay down these uh, things that they don't want to go to, through mm-hmm. insurance for. At least 13 sexual assault cases have been paid off by little Jimmy's Timbit's hockey fund. Exactly. Gross. 
disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I feel icky. I feel real, real icky about Hockey Canada. And... I think it did affect my watching of the the women's world. Yeah, it, it's hard to measure, right? Because it's also August, like you said. Yeah. Uh, it, it, look, not speaking for how you felt, but just in terms of ratings and, and attendance and stuff in general, mm-hmm. it was hard to measure so far how much of this was the Hockey Canada thing and how much of it was the fact that it was in August. We did see, sure. at least at the World Juniors, when it was in Ed- in Edmonton for the gold medal game. By the time they got there, whatever, it's a Saturday, mm-hmm. it, they filled the building, yeah. right? But it was sparsely attended. Oh, I, watched, the, uh, I think the first game was uh, Canada-Latvia yeah. of World Juniors and like there was, it was like it 3,100 like people game. Yeah, yeah. in a 20,000 seat building. <laughs> oh, like, it was sad. It was pretty gross. And you yeah. do, you feel bad for those kids who had nothing for to do sure. with it. And you know someone's going to be shoving a microphone in their face going, how does it feel, mm-hmm. you know, to play for Team Canada under these circumstances? And you're like, man, I'm just... I'm 18 years old, exactly. just trying to do my thing, Even right? Even younger in some cases. Like, yeah. I have an 18-year-old brother, and if he was asked those questions, he's a very eloquent kid. He's a very smart kid. And I still don't think he would have, like, the greatest What are you supposed answer. to say? Like, yeah. yeah. Especially when they have not had any part in this. They've just been thrown into this unwillingly, unknowingly. And, yeah. Oh, poor kids, man. Poor uh, kids. Poor women's team. Why don't we talk about somebody who has, uh, I don't know, made some big news here over the last couple of weeks, Serena Williams. Oh, you're going to make me sad. Yeah, no, let's talk about Serena Williams. Serena Williams, <laughs> um, you know, made it known a couple of weeks before the U.S. Open that she was getting ready to wind down her career. And mm-hmm. um, I'm going to let you frame this because I'll do a terrible job of it. But we're seeing all kinds of headlines that instead of saying retire, saying like evolves from tennis and yes. so. And like, honestly, I'm okay if that's the way you want to frame it, but it's weird. Like you are retiring. Every every athlete does. And it is okay if she's going to move on and do bigger and better things. But I don't know. The language sometimes just makes me laugh about the way we talk about these. But we are talking about one of the greatest athletes of all time in terms of the way she dominated her sport for the length of time that she did it, um, came back and became basically just as dominant as she ever was after um, giving birth, which is... uh, a whole other, <laughs> you know, challenge, a whole other thing that you go through. Uh, it was incredible to see, you know, some of the tributes that were coming out and the the words that were being spoken about her because early on in her career, not everybody was particularly willing to warm up to the, uh, to the Williams sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what did you make of her last event there at the U.S. Open and, and the legacy she's going to leave behind? Because this is a huge retirement in the world sports it is it is a retirement she did call it an evolution she's evolving away from tennis sure sure whatever that and that's means. fine it's just uh, that's like, what you want to call on. it you know what if it makes it easier for sure. you to and she to, may go on to do more important things but it's just it's like true yeah i mean i don't she, know everybody retires michael jordan retired yeah. like, multiple times <laughs> Like, yeah, it was it was an interesting choice of words. Yep. But I really think that she had a difficult time making this decision. I don't think it's an easy thing for any athlete to make when they're, you know, she she has been a pro tennis player for 26 years. She turned pro 26 years ago. It's a very long time to be doing the same job. And, and it's such a huge part of her life that like, yeah. and her body, I think her mind was still in it. She still had the fight in her, but her body couldn't do it at the same level anymore. And so maybe it was just like her 
nice way of like letting herself down easily. Sure. <laughs> we saw like athletes are funny that way. Like you're still better than almost everybody. Forget on earth because obviously, yeah. <laughs> but still better than most people on tour. Mm-hmm. But if you can't do it the way you are used to doing exactly. it, you don't want to keep doing it. And I remember a quote from Wayne Gretzky when he retired. Um, he still had like, like 50 or 60 points like you in his final season it was pretty good but he had nine goals and uh, I can remember in one of the interviews he said like I finished this year with nine goals he goes that used to be a good weekend for me like (laughs) I'm not gonna keep coming out here to do nine goals per season right and if you're one of those athletes it's not about who you can still beat it's Mm -hmm. can I still be as good as I expect myself to be Mm -hmm. and in tennis especially it's one of these sports that like It's an individual sport. And when you're playing, there's this great part. I think I can't remember if maybe I talked about this last time I was here, actually. But Andre Agassi's uh, autobiography, Open, is like one of the best sports autobiographies of all time, Hmm. in my opinion. But also like smarter people than me uh, say it. He he did a great job with it. But he has this whole chapter about um, maybe not a chapter, but a whole section about the difficulty in playing tennis because the only person in the world that knows exactly what you are going through in that moment is the person that's standing right across from you. Right. And like that's a it's it it gets in your head, right? Sure. Like that's it's like just as much a mental game as as a physical game. Um and yeah, like you know, she just can't compete anymore. Like she can't in in that like head to head. Yeah, her body won't do what her mind still exactly. wants it to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So and we're all getting to that time. point. Oh my god. <laughs> On far different levels than the way Serena <laughs> is. But yeah, there's lots of days I get up and go, "Oh, this hurts." Everything and I did hurts. nothing but sleep wrong. <laughs> is she yeah. is maybe this is a stupid question. Mm-hmm. I'm not a a tennis expert by any means. Is she the best ever? Cuz you see some other names out there. Um, Steffi Graf comes mm-hmm. to mind, right, in terms of number of, of Grand Slams mm-hmm. and things like that in a shorter span. But sometimes the the battle that you go through with time, as we've talked about, the fact that Serena did it for as long as she did. Mm-hmm. And like I said off the top, man, tennis was not ready for two black w- women who were not afraid to back down from anything when the Williams sisters came into this, like whatever it was, 25, 26 years ago, would yep. you say it was? That yeah. was, They had their own battle to fight that was on top of the game of tennis. The, exactly. the game of tennis was as white as it could possibly, <laughs> as any sport uh-huh. on, we talk about hockey, fine. <laughs> but tennis is the ultimate white, mm-hmm. you know, good serve, right? <laughs> sport that you could possibly... Yeah, you think of like the Wimbledon, all yes. whites on the grass yeah. board. And the, yeah. And to watch these two women walk in mm-hmm. and then Serena specifically to just take over, mm-hmm. uh, like both on the court and off the court, there's a, a case to be made that she's the best ever. Mm-hmm. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think she is. Um, and for a bunch of reasons. Steffi Graf, you know, I didn't get to watch very much of her play um but you know i hear the legend of her and uh andre agassi of course her husband talks about her in the book um you really gotta read the book i will i will actually okay good um but yeah like you know great um justine hennen was also you know not as big of a name but i think one of the best women's tennis players i was like as a kid uh 
in a cornicova. I always oh, I'm sure you did. I always she won nothing. No, she but did I'm not. sure I'm sure you she watched won my the, heart. the Enrique Iglesias music video. Yes, of and... course. I was a big Enrique fan too as a kid. Uh, for Actually, sure. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but a young Matt very much cheered for for Anna. I don't blame you, Matt. No, okay. um, but again, yeah, she Maybe won not nothing. The ghost, no. um, but yeah, like. You know, there are other great players and players who have done so much, but Serena Williams has done above and beyond and has had to work twice as hard, I find. Like you said, you know, everyone keeps talking about, there's been a lot this week about the adversity that she's overcome, which I hate. Call it racism. That's what it was. People were actively racist towards her and her sister. And she had to deal with that on a national and an international scale. To overcome that, to overcome all of the sexism that she went through, to Mm -hmm. overcome all of the, you know, comments that were made about her body and her fashion and, you know, everything that she has gone through over like and let's be real about it she's mouthy like she's got a big attitude and she's whatever but when andre agassi is those things or who am i thinking of like a john mcenroe McEnroe, entire career that's the only thing you remember about john mcenroe is the temper tantrums and Mm -hmm. things like that look serena tell you the way she saw it and you don't have to agree every single time but you know tennis culture did not appreciate this black woman being mm-hmm. confident and strong in, in her beliefs and mm-hmm. and just saying no that's not what i think and yeah. this is fucked up or or however. and look you can be the best ever like she reminds me in some ways of patrick waugh who was clearly one of the best to ever do his job mm-hmm. but he could still sometimes be a bit of a prick mm-hmm. right and there were moments in serena's career where you it wasn't so much that she was chiming. Uh, there was this moments where you'd go, come on, right? But that doesn't mean she didn't go out and dominate again next week and the week after and whatever. Mm-hmm. But she got it worse than, I, I feel like I've maybe made my point poorly here, <laughs> just in the sense that, you know, Patrick Waugh could get away with it because mm-hmm. he's, you know, a, a goalie and, and one of the best of all time and a white man in a mm-hmm. very white man sport. Mm-hmm. Serena sometimes could be an asshole too, but she the blowback that she would take for it was far worse than Patrick ever took. Absolutely. Yeah. The blowback was worse, and I don't even think the inciting incident was as worse as something that he would do. True. Like a lot of times it was just her being overly confident. Yeah. And if anyone has the right to be overly confident, it's the woman who's won 23 Grand Slams. Was it Bianca? After she lost to Bianca and she just came out and completely took that moment away saying, uh, you know, I, I didn't play well or or was it Layla maybe? Yeah, or, no, there was the, there was, there was one the, of the US Canadian. Open yeah. um, 2019 when Bianca won. Yeah. There was, yeah, she, she talked about how she didn't, you know, play her best. Instead of and, tipping your cap like everybody else does, she's like, yeah, no, I wasn't good. And you're like, yeah. But. But she did tip her cap still. But that the media, even after 20 some years of of being, you know, of being the biggest star in tennis, still doesn't report on that much stuff as much. And if you are a casual tennis fan, you're not going to you're not going to know that she is, you know, she is still respectful towards anyone she plays against. A lot of her opponents, you know, consider her the greatest of all time, but yeah. also love to play against her because she is the best and because she is a respectful player and because mm-hmm. she is, you know, a nice, a genuinely nice person to be around. It's, it's, 
tennis is very much like a traveling circus. Yeah. They all travel together. And, and so they kind of just make friendships along the way because you kind of have to. These are the sure. people that are in your bubble all the time. And there are a select few tennis players who don't make friends with people who are on the outs with a lot of the rest of the tour. Serena Williams was never one of those people. She's like everybody wanted to be friends with her, not just because she's a goat, because she's like a, a genuinely nice, sweet person, too. And, you know, I say this, I've never met her myself, but this is this is what I hear. Right. Um, and so I, I think she I think the the nice parts just weren't. You know, that's not the story they want to tell about her. Exactly, they want to talk about the the calling myself a a casual tennis fan Mm -hmm. would be over exaggerating (laughs) the amount of. But obviously, I know who Serena Williams is. You've watched enough of the big matches and things like that. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you're here to correct that perception, right? Mm -hmm. Because I I know what the greater picture that is painted of her is, and that's it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't hear those. The, the nice parts, sure. yeah. And the things even, that happen like, in people's books. Yeah, <laughs> even after 20 plus years, like the media, and I say the media as a member of the media, sure, and yeah. I, I hate like, you know, just making a vague <laughs> statement media like that, man. but <laughs> yeah. the fake news, yeah. um, you know, there's still, there was still, you know, stuff to say about her. Even, you know, there was that whole, she had a little meltdown tantrum whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um in a u.s open i think it was the 2018 u.s open maybe um yes. when she was playing naomi osaka yes and that was like pretty outlandish yep. um if it was a man in that situation maybe it would have been reported differently but you know if you go back and watch that um she was uh she was called out by the umpire um for coaching she said that they said that you know there was her bench her coach she was, was being coaching illegally coached for, exactly yeah. Yeah. not allowed while the game is going on right um and so she got a violation for it she got a warning and then another one and so they had a little you know tiff i guess sure and most of the yelling in the situation was her asking the umpire to apologize to her which is like <laughs> It's not like she was swearing. It's not like she was like, you know, throwing anything or being like, so she just wanted an apology, which, you know, in that, in that situation with you know, 30,000 people watching right. you and maybe it's not the time. It's probably it was not the moment. weird. And those and are the honest. types of moments that I'm, ta- we talked about yes. that on this show, Rob and I, Rob knows a little more about tennis <laughs> than I do, but again, neither of us are aficionados, <laughs> right? But at the time you're like, fuck, that's a bad look. Right. right? Like, such a bad look. <laughs> but no different than... Any other, I don't know why I keep going back to Patrick Waugh, but Sean Avery a, or, Sha, and even Sean Avery is a terrible example because. She, Patrick Waugh is a very good example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That every now and then he'd like just freak out a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Or he'd do the, remember he did the, there was the one time against Detroit, he does the Statue of Liberty pose after he catches the puck, <laughs> but then drops it and goes in the net. And you're like, serves you right, you douche, right? Like you're, you are the best to ever do this, but sometimes, sometimes. you just make such a douche out of yourself, exactly. right? And, but you're right. It, it's just the the way that gets covered. Mm-hmm. How many different times on the Sports Center top tens do you see top ten freakouts? And there are male mm-hmm. tennis players yelling at umpires and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and they're always sort of like tongue in cheek. It's kind of funny. It's whatever. Whereas she would get like serious blowback it's mm-hmm. not funny it's her being an asshole and exactly. you're like all right why we have a double standard here a little yep. bit yeah absolutely like nick curios i think is 
the the biggest name in tennis right now who is a temper tantrum. Yeah, he's going through some stuff too. He's going through, but he's actually (laughs) he he played a match yesterday that was like so incredible. Um, He beat Medvedev, Daniel Medvedev, who's number one in the world, um, and he's heading to the quarterfinals Hmm. in the U.S. Open. So he is playing the best tennis we've ever seen, and I think it's because he is maturing maybe um or just like i don't know (laughs) just like tamed down a little bit than normal but yeah like he's had some terrible freakouts there was one time that an umpire like came down and talked to him and said like i want you to be a better person (laughs) and like tried to like (laughs) talk him into like it was like you know when um when like a kid does something bad and they have to go to in front of a judge and the judge is like you're better than this and I want a better life for you like sometimes you'll see like a viral video yes. of that it was very much like that um, <clears throat> but yeah like like this umpire was like you're you're a good tennis player and you need to not waste your talent and like wh- right after he had this like insane freak out right he's yeah. It happens. It happens. It's just not everybody gets the same response. Few. Few get, and especially on the women's side, few get what Serena got. Also, as an American, too, I think if you have uh, a European player who has a little bit of a freak out, it's like, oh, well, she's from, you know, she's Serbian. So it's, you know, it's part of that passion, that Eastern (laughs) European, Slavic, whatever. But it's like, oh, an American, like... Of course, what, big, yeah. loud Americans. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit more. That's, yeah. I, I'm willing to go along with that a, a little <laughs> bit more than some of the other things she gets criticized for. <laughs> I think that might be uh, that might be legit. But you're right. It, 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 there's a bit of a triple, quadruple standard yeah. happening there. Yeah. Uh, just before we move off this then, mm-hmm. how big of an impact will this make on the WTA? And, you know... Again, as as a peripheral mm-hmm. tennis viewer, you'd always hear when the Rogers Cup or whatever was happening in Toronto, and they would play up the names, mm-hmm. right? Because it would alternate, right? The men's would be in Montreal, and the women's would be in Toronto, and exactly. then they would flip the next year and stuff. And it was often a tough sell, depending mm-hmm. on the names that were there. If you weren't getting the biggest names to come, a lot of people weren't going just for the event itself. How big of a hole will this leave in the uh, the WTA? I think if she would have done this right after she had her daughter, it would have left a bigger hole. I think she she hasn't been at the top of her game for the last little while. After she had her daughter, she almost died. She There was like an emergency situation right after the labor, after the delivery, and she lost a ton of blood and it right. was like not a great time. And so coming back from that, was pretty tough. She still, you know, still came back after, you know, a year and a half and and played amazing tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, but she never she never won again. She never got back to that like domination that we were used to. Right. So I think if it was before, um, cuz she the last grand slam she won, she was pregnant for it. So like it was that recent that she was a you know, still a dominant I remember, yeah, force. Talking about that, yeah. yeah, it was incredible. Wild that yeah. that somebody could do that with a baby inside of them. It's <laughs> it's insane that she that she achieved that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think if if she would have retired, then it would have been a much bigger hole. You know, she hadn't played before she played Wimbledon this year. She hadn't played for an entire year before that. So we haven't seen a lot of her. Anyways, there are a ton of new and really good, good, good 
tennis players mm-hmm. now in the WTA. Iga Swiatek is just like killing it. Uh, Coco Goff, I think, is very much seen as like the next the heir apparent of the, the heir apparent exactly to the Williams sisters. She's into the quarterfinals too in the U.S. Open right now. So, and she's so much fun to watch. If you're going to watch anyone play in the U.S. Open this week, make it Coco Goff. She's mm. the cutest. I just I love her so much, um, and she's just fun to watch. So yeah, there's I think there are a lot of good players coming up. I don't know if they'll ever have the name recognition that Serena had. I think one of the things that maybe will be overlooked in terms of Serena's legacy will be the fact that even despite what I said a few minutes ago is she helped make the WTA the selling point mm-hmm. as opposed to needing those big stars. Maybe, you know, with what she's done and, and you know, maybe what she leaves behind mm-hmm. is more of a, yeah, I'll go check that out because I know Tim, uh, women's tennis is is very good. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't know some of the names, uh, sometimes you can make the event bigger than the stars, which yeah. I think is, uh, is what they're probably shooting for. Uh, one of the things that I thought we should touch on just briefly is, uh, maybe not quite as dominant as Serena <laughs> Williams, the Red Blacks. Oh yeah. Couple of wins. Couple of wins. Not bad. Catching up right now. The <laughs> East is piss on a plate. So the playoffs oh are, God, are within ever? reach. Um, I didn't catch the final score. I believe the Argos beat Hamilton on uh, Labor Day here. I want to say it was like 20 to 8 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to hold on to first place. Hamilton Mm -hmm. has not been good. But Mm -hmm. I mean, as an Ottawa fan, what can I say? Uh, (laughs) Ottawa's not been good. But they've started to come around a little bit. Arbuckle's got the last couple wins now. I wouldn't say he's been, you know, dominating or Mm -hmm. anything like that. But he's been fine. Um did you get a chance to uh, to catch the game against Montreal on Friday night? And do you think they've turned a bit of a corner here? Or is this just kind of the ebbs and flows of the season? I I don't know. It's so hard to be a fan of this team. It really is. I, I another I, win on the road. Yeah. <laughs> could it, you could pull you some of those at do home? it here? Yeah. How I spend so much money to go and see this team yeah. at TD Place, and I can't get anything from them like give me something right. i just want to see some fireworks the last game i was at i didn't even see fireworks there was not a single touch somebody cut the lawn Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so i i caught a little bit of, of this past game on friday yeah. um i mean i don't know how much stock to put in it because it's montreal it's not yeah. like we're you know it's not like we're playing even a no, mediocre team. The East is bad. Like, this, this is who you're going to have to be. Yeah. This week will be, this week is Toronto, right? Toronto's yeah. here on Saturday at 2, I, I think. I think that's right, yeah. Um, which is fun. I'm still not sure I'm going to, if I'm going to spend money <laughs> on a ticket. We'll see <laughs> if anyone has some free ones to throw my way. I'll take them. Um, but, like, I think this, this will be more of a test than maybe last week's game was. If they can do three in a row. If we can get a home yeah. game win, then I will tell you I'm happy with this team. I am happy with the direction that we are going in. They're at three and eight and uh, right there heading into the second <laughs> half of the season for a playoff spot, which is so ridiculous. But that's how bad the East has been. Now, yeah. you have to es- expect the West is going to cross over and take one of the spots over here. Like yeah. The East is so bad. It's so bad. But they're not in Toronto is is first in the East at six and five, yeah. right? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And so, you know, these are the teams you're going to have to beat is Montreal and Hamilton. Yeah. And 
even if you can't catch, and you could, in theory, catch Toronto, because honestly, Toronto's not that impressive to me. They're just no. lighting up the teams they're supposed to light yeah, up. That's, it, like, it's the East. Like They're not yeah. playing against great teams, and so they... But even when they're not playing against good teams, they don't look good. No. They just happen to win. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think, you know what, at 3-8, and eight, I think... What is it? Uh, I think Hamilton's also at... I think three, three and nine. Yeah, yeah. And you know Montreal's right there. Like, it would not shock me if they turn this around. I, I'm with you. You need to see a little bit more. Yeah. But the pressure's been taken off Lapo here a little bit. We were hearing a ton after mm-hmm. um, three weeks ago that loss to Edmonton. Like, he's not going to survive this week, right? Like, he's going to have to go. Yeah. And they stuck with him. Part of that is there is a cap on how much you can pay coaches as well. Mm-hmm. So if you fire somebody, you got to bring someone else in still under that cap. He's also your offensive coordinator. So you got to bring in two people under yeah. that cap. I'm not sure how realistic it was that they were ever going to fire him, but they finally turned to Nick Arbuckle. And I don't think anyone expected him to be, like I said, the guy. And I'm not sure he's been fantastic or anything, but he's been good enough. And you've started to see guys play a little bit better around him. And, I don't know. I just, I still think Caleb Evans can be fine in the future, but this is his first full season, I believe, as a pro starter. Like, that was a lot of pressure to put on him. That's true. Yeah. He started, what was it, like one of the last games last season? And Yeah. Kind of you know, Matt Nichols didn't work out. And yeah. Like, he just kind of got thrown to the wolves. So, I don't know. I, I I'm not like optimistic that they're going to come back and, <laughs> and win like nine games this year or whatever. Yeah. But I do think they might be able to to make it into the the playoffs in the mm-hmm. East. And then if that happens, I don't know. Can they beat Toronto one Saturday in November? Yeah, they probably can. That <laughs> so. would be lovely. I mean, a month ago, I was not as optimistic as I am now. I don't. I know I don't sound optimistic at all right now, but I was even funny less. Funny what a couple wins will give you. No, <laughs> it's I'm true. Legit. Like I, I, I think most of us had written off this yes. season a long time ago, because um, it it's just like the same old, same old. This is like a repeat of whatever happened last year. Yeah. Like it's just, but something has changed in the past couple of weeks. I don't know what it is, but I'm happy it has. Of course. And like, yeah, like you said, Arbuckle was, you know, not the guy. No. I think maybe the first go around when we were supposed to have him, he was the guy. That and was the expectation never, then. Yeah, yeah. Never panned out because no. we never saw him, obviously. Yeah. Um, but this time it was like, oh, okay, we'll try him. <laughs> like, yeah. There was none of Nothing that fanfare. Not, yeah. yeah. Well, and th- at that point, that's what, what he'd been to Toronto and Edmonton and then punted back here when... Uh, mm-hmm. When Masoli went down, yeah, and then he didn't take very many snaps at all, and you were ha- you had to give him a little time to learn mm-hmm. the playbook and stuff, which he could have learned the first time, <laughs> but didn't. <laughs> True, um, things have maybe changed. Yeah, since then. yeah, and so they finally just give up and all right, like let's see what you got, mm-hmm. and just by chance you go out and put up two wins after you do that, and like I said, and like you've said, they're not dominant wins. It's not like mm-hmm. he has been the sole reason that they've you know turned the entire season around, but you can't take away from the fact that there are two wins under his belt mm-hmm. and there's no question at this point that for at least the next little while he's going to get those chances again and mm-hmm. I think what are you going to say right yeah two yeah. wins so far yeah you know he's he like you said he's not he's not the sole reason but no. he is a very large contributing sure. factor for sure yeah I uh sorry oh no go did ahead. I just cut you off no or, no oh, okay um I had a chance and I 
like so many things in my life now, Vanessa. I'm late to the party on this. Oh no. All the, all the cool kids <laughs> oh. already know about these things. Uh, this How long weekend. Where the heck are we going here? Uh, not that okay, okay. far as I defend my pride. <laughs> on Saturday night here, we threw on the, uh, the Netflix doc mm-hmm. on, uh, it's called Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I went into it thinking, all right, everyone saw how successful the documentary on Firefest was, mm-hmm. and this was going to be capitalize on that, tell a story. I did not know quite how bad that festival had gotten. At the time that it happens, I am 17, Woodstock 99. Uh, did do, not... Do the math. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did not ask to go, did not... Uh, Try and talk my parents into letting me go to Woodstock 99. Did you want to? Did you have no. any desire? Okay. No. I don't even remember. I do remember vaguely hearing it on, uh, like I said, I grew up in the GTA. <laughs> so I remember hearing commercials for it on Edge 102, which was the, the rock station down there. And because it's not that far across the border, mm-hmm. right? They were trying to sell 250,000 tickets. Um, I do remember hearing the commercials, but I was never really into corn. And corn mm-hmm. was one of the big headline mm-hmm. acts, right? I was a little bit into Limp Biscuit at the time, <laughs> if I can say as much. Uh, I was into Bush a bit. Uh, never really loved the Chilies. Didn't have a problem with them or anything, but they weren't really my... There was just nothing... About, and let's just call a spade a spade here. If I had said to my parents, hey, can I go to upstate New York to a rock concert? They'd have just been like, fuck, you're stupid. Like, why would you even ask that question? Uh, but it really wasn't on my agenda that way. But I do remember hearing all of the the fallout afterwards, that there had been fires, um, that it had gotten violent and stuff like that. I didn't realize it had gotten quite as bad as this documentary mm-hmm. painted it. Do you, uh, what is your recollection? Of, do you feel like they blew this up bigger than it was? Or do you feel like they're telling a story that maybe we didn't get the full story of at the time? To be fair, I was nine when it happened. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I don't. So <laughs> this feels really good. Gonna be ten. I was yeah. close to it. Um, but I, I don't, I don't remember a ton. So you weren't big into corn. I was not <laughs> a huge Limbiscuit girl back in the day. Um, yeah, like I, I don't remember a ton of it. I know that it happened, and I think like in my like nine year old mind, I was kind of, um, I don't know, just like. Can, I confused this Woodstock with the original sure. one, and I just, I never really even knew Peace that there and was love, yeah. Man. <laughs> like no. I, I didn't get the whole thing. I I didn't understand well, like, what was going you on. You had heard of it in the years I later know, as this like not really no eh no okay no I went into this one very uh, naive yeah. about the whole situation. Yeah, yeah. I so. It was all the more exciting to watch the sure as it comes to a climax in part three. Yeah. Oh my god! And yeah, like part three, part one. I'm like, oh, this is like mm, they're they're setting up for a disaster. This sure. something's gonna get real bad. Yeah. We'll see. And then you get episode two, and episode two is like, oh yeah, no, it's bad. You guys fucked up. Yeah. This is pretty bad. And then episode three, I was like, how did nobody die? Yeah. How did nobody die? Well, and like I had always heard. And I've seen little like YouTube again, like mini docs on the thing about how Limp Biscuit was responsible for starting the the riot. And on Saturday, by all accounts, yeah, Fred Durst got the crowd really kind of whooped up. Mm-hmm. And what on Sunday, or I guess overnight, sat like we're talking about Fat Boy Slim. 
Yeah. And that, oh yeah, that, on the overnight on the Saturday, the right? Rave, in the yeah. rave part. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this is the guy that did that funk soul brother thing. Like this guy was part of one of the most violent evenings in rock history. Seriously, like, oh shit, yeah. There's someone driving a van through this crowd <laughs> with some pasto girl being sexually abused yeah. in the back. You're like, this is. Yeah, okay, Fatboy Slim's show was a problem, too, just like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, I don't know. I I had people I, I was visiting with at the at the lake on, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago now, and talking about, is this worth watching? And they're all people, you know, who were into kind of the same sort of music I was mm-hmm. at the time and a little closer to my age, perhaps. Um, <laughs> I said, no, you need to watch this. It, it's not just a fire fest knockoff. Mm-hmm. Um and so I went into it thinking, all right, like this is going to be what it, and I do wonder a bit because on, it was corn on the Friday night mm-hmm. and it's 250,000 people and are all looking to party and it gets kind of violent. It gets kind of tense and they keep painting this picture in the documentary of like whooping the crowd into a frenzy. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a part of me, you know, corn on Friday night kind of gets a free pass a little bit, even though they kind of, and then Fred Durst takes a wicked beating and that's because Fred Durst is an asshole and nobody <laughs> likes him. And I, I get that a bit. <laughs> you can admit it now. That's good. Yeah. That's no, of course. His stupid red hat. And part of it is he's on tour again. And I think, I know I've talked about this with the shrides. I think you and I did last time you were in 50 year old. Artists are just very different than 25-year-old artists when they're out on tour. And Fred Durst with his stupid red hat turned backwards <laughs> and his little wife beater at 50 years old singing, it's just one of those days. You're like, dude, like probably time to have moved on to, yeah, is it time to break stuff? Grandpa, yeah. is that what we're doing here now? Is it all about the nookie, Fred? That's what we're all about. Um going to see him Limp Bizkit at 50? Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, the Rolling Stones are like, yeah, okay, fine. I get it. Old men still playing classic rock. I get it. I don't got time for Fred Durst in his 50s. Who are the... I want to talk to someone who bought a ticket for that show. For Woodstock 99 or for the new... No, for new... I don't know which one's more tragic, to be honest with you. Very fair. Very fair point. Yeah. Anyway, the only thing I was going to say is, like, yeah, Fred Durst keeps playing his show and they focus on this and he keeps getting everyone more and more fired up I wonder with 200,000 pissed off teenagers most of them on drugs or drinking or whatever what would have happened if he agrees to stop the show and leave the stage yeah do they get just as pissed you've got all these young people at an uh, basic, and they point this out at the beginning of the doc for those who haven't seen it, and you should, like, even if you're not big into this type of music, it's called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. It's, they're comparing the old Woodstock 69 in some farmer's field, and it's peace, love, and rock and roll. This one, they take over a military base, and it's a concrete runway, and there's hangars and stuff, and they are gouging, they put up so many fences to keep people out from getting in for free, you also can't really get out all that easy and go get food or water or whatever. So they're just gouging the fuck out of these kids all weekend. Everybody's pissed. There is going to be problems. Like, there's going to be a riot. You can see it. But I wonder if the fact that he keeps playing is that much worse than the fact that he gets told or decides on his own. This headlining band that you all paid to come and see is walking mm-hmm. off stage. I wonder what happens then. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. Like, 
that's when that's how you start a riot pissed off people like i don't know what's better if it's better to have like mad drunk teenagers or like you know riled up fired up ones yeah who knows they both are i think like maybe equally destructive but on the in you know part three episode three yeah. at the end they there's all of this the chatter all weekend about this mystery guest they're going to bring the chilies close the show yeah. someone's coming out there's going to be a big name stick around everyone's all pumped for it that's the that's the chatter all weekend long and then the chilies leave and there's nobody it's like yeah we're done thanks for coming mike whatever the mike f Lang. his name and yeah. mike lang comes out and he says thanks so much peace and <laughs> there will not be and peace. there will not be peace and then we see a bunch of angry drunk hungover n- nothing in them no food no water Some just naked. like just yeah. yeah just like going to town on this hangar and there's fire and there are you know turned over trucks in the the whatchamacallit the sound they, thing they yeah. pull it down the sound tower yeah the sound tower like so that's they find probably, ATMs, knock them yeah. over, and start money, money, money. <laughs> that's what we would have seen probably if Fred Durst yeah. said, "Okay, I'm gonna leave halfway through my my set." Did you know? Obviously, you didn't at nine years old. <laughs> I had no recollection that that Jewel played Woodstock '99, yeah. and I'm not even being an asshole. I kind of liked Jewel's first album, where it's just her and a guitar, basically. Um, she did a bunch of poppier stuff later. I wasn't into. But her first album was like, oh, it's kind of cool. And, and like Sheryl Crow played on the Friday. And like they're talking on the dock about how, you know, we wanted this for the soft rock fans. Like it didn't look like there were that many soft rock fans who had showed up for this Chili Peppers, Bush, Corn, Limp yeah. Biscuit headline show. How did you think Jewel was going to be received on Sunday afternoon or whatever? And she basically said in the thing, when it was over, like the bus was running. I walked <laughs> off stage, got on the bus, and fucking left because this was going to be bad. Yeah. Great doc, though. Such a good doc. I that's not like my kind of music at all. Obviously, I was listening to Michael Bolton when sure. I was nine. Who was like, not invited. Was... <laughs> to like my my recollection of like late '90s, early 2000s music. I was listening to like the Spice Girls and and Sync sure. and that kind of stuff. O Town actually was my big. Yes. Yeah, big O Town fan over here. Um, I'm really so glad this... that. One song. Yep. Oh yeah. The the one. Is that, that what it was called? The one. No, it was oh. called. Are you thinking of Liquid Dreams? No. Oh, okay. Well, that was what that oh. one of them was called, okay. and it was exactly what you think. Yep. Yeah. Mm, anyway. Um, Maybe I'm I was, thinking of Westlife. Oh, I loved Westlife as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I actually. Now that I think about this, I don't know what it was. I might know a Westlife. O Town was. Um, they were on Making the Band. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah so sure. it's every episode mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> All that to say, I was not listening to this kind of music. I wasn't listening to Corn and Limp Biscuit when I was nine. No. Um, How about now? Uh, still not. <laughs> not a lot. Still no. have not added it to the Spotify playlist. <laughs> uh, but I found this so so entertaining. This was such a well done doc. I loved Firefest, the doc. Yes. Not, not the fest. Not the fest. <laughs> the fest was not fire, but the doc was fire. But this one, I like this was probably better. I think I was more entertained. Also because it was like Firefest, I was paying attention to it as at it was happening. Time, yes. I was on Twitter, you know, looking at all of these people Pointing posting their, their sad sandwiches. Yeah. And, <laughs> 
the little tents and whatever. Like thinking they were showing up to like villas yeah. and whatever. Like here's your stupid oasis. Yeah. yeah, but Woodstock, I like I knew nothing. So go, I I didn't have a lot of background knowledge going into it. So I think it was extra entertaining. It was like a story I'd never been told. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Like I said at the time, I was sort of following, um, and it honestly gave. Limp Bizkit credibility in what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? In terms of just being pissed off and, um, you know, kind of holding the Red Hot Chili Peppers were already well established, uh, but Limp came out of that already, or you know, able to turn that into see we we fuck shit up and that's what we do. And you're like, yeah, you, you did yeah, that. You do. That's good on you, I guess. And um, but if you weren't there, it was just this like kind of crazy story mm-hmm. and um, that kind of bled into their background or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, seeing this, I, I probably, if I'm being honest, I probably preferred the Firefest doc to this one. Um, I'm certainly more familiar with the bands in this one. Mm-hmm. Like that was again, like closer to what I was listening to at the time. But uh, yeah, I thought the doc probably was slightly better from fire, but I did enjoy this. It was uh, like a train wreck Woodstock 99. If you haven't seen it, uh, go to, cause I've also seen like, 12 different Woodstock 69 documentaries. Yeah, I think there's one. There's a 99. There's another 99 one, I think, on, uh, I think it's on Crave. I don't know who did it. Hmm. Maybe it was an HBO, probably. Right. And this one is Netflix. Yes. Yeah. I didn't see the other one, but yeah, I liked it. It was a good watch. Uh, before we get out of here, I know you had a chance to get over to the uh, the CP Women's Open. Mm-hmm. It was here in Ottawa, what, a week ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah, last weekend. Um... You were inside the rope. Oh, I was I was in the clubhouse. I was having a time. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, what did you make of it? Because it, honestly, it got a ton of attention. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, you know, in a rare victory for Canadian sports media, they did an actually, an actual really nice job covering it. Um, there was moments that they gave, I think it was on the Friday, it could have been the Thursday. Uh, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that... TSNs and the Golf Channel stuck with it after the coverage was scheduled mm. to to end uh, and gave and half of this was obviously the homecoming mm-hmm. for Brooke Henderson. She was the big story, and um, yeah, it, it got a ton of attention locally. What do you uh, what do you think? You were there. What did you see? There. I was there. So yeah, I didn't watch it on TV because no. I was watching it live. Uh, the the, <laughs> I was watching it in three D. Yes, um, but uh, yeah, they there was. I know, you know, talking about the negative first, there was a bit of um, backlash, I guess, because uh, Golf Channel, NBC owns the rights. And so TSN couldn't show all of it, especially not Brooke on the Thursday, but they, they she was on TV on the Friday, the which Friday, was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was just, it was really fun. It was, you know, the most people that the CP Women's Open has ever seen, over wow. 70,000 uh, tickets sold. So it was a very, very popular event. Um, lots of people. It was just, I just had a really good time. I also like have a different, you know, I'm I'm there as a media member. I'm there as a golf fan. Um, but also my youngest brother was caddying. Nice. So it was kind of like a special extra kind of little something. Um, it was his first time caddying professionally, um, but he's a member there at the Hunt Club. So there were a bunch of golfers who were coming up from the States that their their caddies couldn't travel with them for whatever uh, reasons. Yeah, uh, for, for whatever, whatever reasons. reasons. 
actually, to be fair, the one specifically um, that the the golfer Daniela Darkea, who uh, who Fran, my brother Fran, uh, caddied for uh, her. Um, caddy, her normal caddy, is getting his green card. So he wasn't allowed to leave the States okay. because of that. So yeah. that's, yeah, not not the other big yep. glaring reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she just needed a, a Canadian caddy for the weekend and Fran was there. She was so great. Um, we had breakfast with her one morning and she was a lot of fun. My parents also had uh, a golfer stay with them. Um, so we got to follow her around a lot and she was, her and I, she didn't make the cut, and so her and I um, got a little bit drunk on Saturday. <laughs> 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 and we finished a bottle of wine and uh, just had a good chat sure. about about life and and life and live golf. We talked a lot about uh, live golf last yes. week. Oh yes, I have very many feelings on that. I won't bore you with them. Well, uh, but <laughs> well, we we can. But can I can I perhaps identify? Mm-hmm. Uh, the star of the weekend. Oh, yes. As being Lori Kane in <gasps> Lori her Kane. wonderful Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Uh, <laughs> God love her. Yeah. Just beautiful. <laughs> Tell us about the rink. What, what, what was the story behind the rink? So the rink came from the Canadian Open, the men's, the RBC Canadian Open that happened uh, at St. George's Golf and Country Club in June. That's the PGA Tour event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also there. No brag, but that was a pretty good time. Um, and uh, and the 17th hole, or I guess it was the, it was the 16th hole there. Uh, it's a par three, short par three. So they've set up boards. They set up boards around, like hockey boards, like rink boards around the tee box. Um, and then they just have people standing around them. And it's just like wild atmosphere. Not what you would expect from a it's golf. like Happy Gilmore. Exactly. Go back to your shit. <laughs> Everyone's yelling and having a good time. And when the players come up, they, you know, you bang the boards. Um, When they hit their shot, bang the boards. And it's just like, it's, you know, it's the fun, the fun hole, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So they did it on the 17th hole here. (laughs) Yeah. Name of a local strip club or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, So they did it again here on the 17th. It's actually more like the name uh, of a band at Woodstock 99. That's true. (laughs) So yeah, it was. Uh, so they moved it up here. A, a good old, a good old fashioned barn on the seventeenth hole. Just people screaming and and then when the players walk up to the hole, uh, to the green, yeah. a lot of them are putting on hockey jerseys, sure. which is great. Nellie Corda put on her boyfriend's jersey. I can never remember his name, but he plays for the Blackhawks. Okay. Um, so she had her Blackhawks jersey. Lori Kane, who's playing in her 30th and final Canadian Unbelievable. Open. Unbelievable. Very sad to see her go. Um, she, yeah, she had a, a Leafs jersey on. God love her. Whatever. Yeah. Brooke, Goat. Brooke Hedderson's jersey. Of course she did. Of course she did. Play to the crowd. Love it. <laughs> Poor Brooke, man. That was like it, it was so intense. The the amount of people that were around her. LPGA, I know, doesn't get as you know as big crowds as as the PGA does, but there were a lot of people there last weekend, and the majority of them were following her. Yes. Insane. Yeah. Like you, you couldn't see her. You couldn't get to her. <laughs> it was like four, five, six people deep around the greens, and. Like so much pressure on her, and, and she, she didn't have herself. a great weekend. She, she did not. It was not a good weekend at all. She made the cut, which was good. At least yeah. she got four days. But, but she holds herself like with such poise, and she's just so sweet to everybody. And she's still pretty a, young, isn't she's she? She's twenty four. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah. I think. Yeah, she's still got a lot of golf ahead of her. But 
yeah, it was it was it was a good time. I enjoyed myself quite a bit. What do you think of the? I go back and forth on these things to be honest. What do we, what do we think of putting up hockey boards and, <laughs> and playing into the Canadian? There's there are times. Look, when I saw that at the men's, and I was glad to see it at the women's as well. I was kind of like. It's kind of fun. Like, I kind of like that. It's kind of funny. But there are just as many times, and I can't explain why the hypocrisy. There mm-hmm. are other times where I go, fuck, do we really got to lean into this cliche in everything we do, right. right? But there are just times where you set it up or you do something, you're like, that turned out really cool. Yeah. So how do you feel about this one? This one I'm into. Yeah. I'm very into this one because it's just like, it's like a passive thing. It's not like it's like throwing it in your face, really. It's just like a fun little just a part backdrop. of, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the players really like it, which is fun. I don't think it, I don't think it reflects poorly on Canada in any way. I know no. that there are so many other ways, like, I think when, um, when F1 was here in Montreal, didn't they do something stupid? Wasn't there something that I can't even remember? But it, they'll just like try and play up that Canadiana. Yeah. And I just, we don't have to do yeah, that to no, ourselves. No, I'm with you there. But there yeah. are times if you do it right, where you're kind of like, you know what? That was cool. Yeah. I don't mind it. And and in this case, yeah. with in both the women's and the men's tournaments, it was a good time. There were times when we were in Toronto for the for the the men's the PGA tour mm-hmm. event in June um, where we would be on like the complete opposite side of the course and you just hear like an eruption of crowd noise you never get that no. on a golf course for the most part um, <laughs> unless someone's made like some incredible you know putt or whatever the beer carts coming around or that <laughs> usually that yeah um, as a former beer cart girl I okay. appreciate <laughs> that, uh, that the ovation yeah <laughs> But yeah, like it's just, it's very cool to get that on a golf course. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, before we wrap up then, mm-hmm. sounds like you got thoughts on the, uh, the live golf, the, uh, the Saudi, uh, Saudi back tournament we've around here been calling the bone saw yep. open, um, <laughs> and, uh, to mixed reviews, but, um, I, I, it, it doesn't seem all that complicated. They got unlimited cash flow. Mm-hmm. Lure as many guys over who are prepared to live with where that money is coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them getting paid just to show up. Uh, that has forced the PGA in recent weeks to up their game as well mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're going to start putting more money into the system. Some of these tournaments will be worth more to win. They're bumping a lot of them up. I don't think that's a game they can win. The Saudis have much deeper pockets, but you do have to make an attempt at it. I don't know where are we at at this point with the. What do you think of the live golf tournament? Okay, well I hate it. Yeah, as a PGA purist, PGA tour purist, like I, you know, I am loyal to the PGA tour and sure. the DP World Tour in Europe too. Um, I don't like the live. I I do not like where the money's coming from. No, one hundred percent. Like there's no. I think everyone, most people are on the same page with that. So that. But they're not offering it to us. They are not. Exactly. I I have very conflicting feelings on certain, you know, like there are a lot of, I say kids, they're younger than me, that are, you know, coming right out of NCAA. They have never made money Mm -hmm. in golf. Golf is one of those very rare sports where you don't get paid if you don't make a cut. Like. You, you can go out and play for two straight days and you can have done practice rounds before that and you have had been in like in pro-ams before that and made money for this tournament and still not 
had anything in your pockets. There's no revenue coming in, right? right? Like it, it's a very rare for that to happen in sports. Um, but golf is one of those. And so you have these like these young guys with no guaranteed income going out into the golf world. And all of a sudden, here comes Saudi golf saying, oh, we will give you millions of dollars. Just show guaranteed. up. Guaranteed. Just, Just show, show up. up. And you can wear shorts. Ooh. That's the new thing. Oh, yes. They're allowed to wear shorts. We got to see Phil Mickelson's knees this weekend. It's disgusting. Nobody needs to see that. Um, so, <laughs> so like. <laughs> Sorry, I, left. I, <laughs> the drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I understand where these kids are coming from, right? Like, you know, they, they have never seen this kind of money. It's all they want in life is to play golf and make money. And yeah. now it's guaranteed. So them, I, I feel for them. And I can't see that having been a great, an easy decision, but you know, they did it. Then there's these other guys who are over the hill, who are never going to win anything ever again. And, you know, have at it. Henrik Stenson, one of those, <laughs> although he did give up the Ryder Cup captaincy for yeah. it, which <sighs> Ryder Cup is my all-time favorite really, eh? event yeah. of any sporting event no ever. Way. I know that sounds ridiculous, but Miracle <laughs> at Medina, 2012, Ryder Cup, sure. the greatest thing that's ever happened to me personally in my whole life. Um, but <laughs> but anyway. Paired with Michael there, Bolton and some correct, correct. <laughs> The greatest sporting <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there's these other older guys who there's not much left for them. And so the PGA Tour is not competitive. They're not competitive on the PGA Tour. They're not making cuts. Have at it, whatever. Yeah. My thing is... Just admit, I don't know why I want this so badly, but I just want them to admit why they're doing it. All of these guys going over there are saying we're going because we want to spend more time with our families because uh, we're growing the game of golf because we want to golf less. Like, It's because of the money. It's because of the blood money. That is why. Just say it. Come on. We we all all know. know. (laughs) I just want you to say it. So, yeah. So there are some guys that kind of, you know, I'll give them a pass. Um, a lot of the big names, Cam Smith, biggest one in recent days, um, who's gone over to the dark side. And right. I think it's just disgusting. <laughs> I just wish you, like, was it not, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. who had said, maybe at the U.S. Open, I can't remember, kept being asked about it. He's like, it's you guys that are playing it mm-hmm. up. Like, I haven't said anything about it. You guys keep, like a week later, he's like, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. Well, yeah. fuck you then, man. <laughs> like, just say it. The, I was reading an article today in, in Golf Digest. Um, one of the reporters. Yeah, I guess my subscription done. hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> uh, it was online. You okay. can actually, I'll, I'll send it to you Sweet. on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but I was reading this article about Joaquin Neiman, who just made the switch over. He announced last week that he was going over to the Live Tour. But it was a, uh, an interview that he had done with Golf Digest a month ago, and they just published it this month. Mm. And in it, he's talking <laughs> about how sad it is that he'll never get to play with Sergio Garcia again because they were such good friends. But Sergio Garcia has made his bed, and now he has to lie in yeah. it. And Joaquin Neiman is saying that he, he'll, you know, Those that's not for him. And, yeah. <laughs> A month later, I'm. A oh, month shit, later, I'm he's he's on the dark side. So, this will remind you. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll remember this, Vanessa. Oh. Back in 1994. Oh, the good old days. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The Macho Man, Randy Savage. Macho, Macho Man. Nailed it. Thanks. Uh, he's still <laughs> in the WWF. He he he's interviewed for the WWF magazine <laughs> and says, "Only an idiot 
whatever, go to the competition, WCW. By the time it's published a month later, he has gone to the competition, <laughs> WCW. I'm like, man, you got to understand how these magazines work. It ain't coming out today, right? And even if it did, we might remember, we might not. No, oh, you're already there yeah. when you're slandering your empl- new employer in this magazine. Do you at least, uh, on the Live Golf thing... Mm-hmm. They have no TV deal. If you can find them on YouTube and be mm-hmm. one of the like 40,000 people watching, um, is it at least entertaining? Because that's half of what they're banking on here. Mm-hmm. They're going to shorten it up instead of be, you know, it'll be easier on the athletes because it's going to be only 54 holes. Um, they're going to try some different formats. Mm-hmm. Is it at least doing anything for you in that regard? Or are you just too grossed out by it to even be bothered? So I did try to give it a shot because, you know, you can't, you can't give something a fair shake if you don't, yeah. if you don't get right. I needed to give it a fair go to sure. really like be able to give my fully fledged opinion on it. It is so boring. <laughs> There's no. There, Would Charles all, Barkley have helped? The, no, <laughs> no. Have you ever seen his golf swing? No. No. Okay. Um, I didn't want him to golf. I just wanted him to be on the broadcast. <laughs> the broadcast is all about. Oh, look how fun this is. It's like them trying to convince you that you're having a good time (laughs) and you're not. 54 golf is not 54 holes. It's not three rounds. It's four rounds. That's just and that is something that's been programmed in me. Maybe, you know, if this goes on, I'll get used to it. But I don't like it. It's supposed to be four days. Um, That might be about us, though. It, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I in the ca- on. past couple of years, double headers in baseball, they've moved to seven innings. Mm-hmm. You're like, nope, nope, that, that's, that's not, not right. right. <laughs> You're just like, why? Because yeah. they told you it's because they're made like, up rules, but right. all of the rules are named, exactly. made up. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's something in me. I need to work on me. Fine, <laughs> I'll take that one on. Um, but the the team, like I said, Ryder Cup, my all time favorite sporting event mm-hmm. ever, forever, uh, is a team based event. Liv tried to bring it in, but these there's no there's no like inherent pride in in Ryder Cup. It's Europe versus USA. Yeah. I'm always Team Europe, clearly. Sure. Um, in this, it's like the fire aces and the or the fire sticks Ew. and the something ace. Like they just like ridiculous names. People you don't even know. There's like twelve <laughs> big name players and the rest you've never heard of. So like there's nothing really to root That's for there. But I get your point. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, that part is. So even the game itself isn't. The game itself is so boring and they do a shotgun start. So yeah. you're not all, you know, starting on one and finishing on 18, which right. you can't imagine like, I don't know. Imagine like, you know, the master's doing a shotgun start and ending. Which is just where everyone starts corner. on their own hole. <laughs> Exactly. And yes. We just just go. Everybody yeah. go. Everyone starts at the same time, which yeah. is why they have a limited number of people who can participate in live. Yeah. That's another big, you know, issue with it, I guess, is that there's only 48 players allowed because everyone tees off at the same time. Right. In PGA Tour, it's all staggered. In a normal round of golf, it's all staggered. Yep. Everyone starts on one and you just time it out over whatever four or five hours sometimes you know on the first few days it's twice a day but yeah like with live it's like everyone at once so there's only 48 players allowed on the golf course at one time everyone tees off on their hole when the the shotgun goes or the they start up the chainsaw whatever and then (laughs) like you can finish your hole you can finish your round on like the sixth hole how boring is that someone screams for their life (laughs) everybody starts Literally. <laughs> when you hear the sound of <laughs> bone of, shattering. Yeah. 
of a bone it's, saw. It's dark. Okay. This is I can't <laughs> hear about this golf tournament without thinking, or this golf Same. tour, without thinking, yeah, but you're the people who saw people up and put them in a yeah. bag and carry them out of an embassy. You're you know, like, the people that are responsible for 9-11. Uh, yeah, and I get the idea. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, yeah. That's, like, it's dark. It's so dark. And they're just, like, okay. Are they not... Did they already do, or they're preparing to golf on a Trump course? They have. They did that they already. They did. The Welcome one where on. Ivanka is, or Ivanka Ivana, Was Ivana is buried. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bedminster, I think. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, it's just, it's it's bad. Everything I, about it just feels icky, yeah. as you've said. Yes. Oh, so much ick in this episode. That's we started right. with it. We're ending with it. That's all right. That's oh, how it goes. God. Okay. That's that icky back to school <laughs> feeling that we're all dealing That's with. That's it. Yeah. I hope you all have uh, a good shortened week. I hope those of you going back to school uh, survive. I know many of you have also been able to sneak away, disappear a little bit over the summer. And this will be back to uh, the regular work schedule for all of you as well. Uh, what's coming up this week? Can you tell us on, uh, on She's Got Game? Michaela Schreider is back. Wow. She abandoned me last weekend to go on her honeymoon, whatever. That's a excuse. Josh. But yeah. Um, but they have, I, I hope they have returned. They are supposed to be back in the country as of right now. <laughs> um, so she will be back, and that's really all I care about. Actually, we, <laughs> we may be talking about... Sue Bird's retirement yeah, this week. Yeah, I bet you will be talking about it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there is a very good chance that Sue Bird's career ends Tuesday night, day that this will come yep. out, right? Um, so by by the weekend, we will be talking about, about One Sue of the Birds. goats. The goat, I'd say. In the WNBA, WNBA goat, For yeah. sure. So Michaela's going to be devastated, and then I'm going to have to put up with that. <laughs> so it's going to be a rough week. She's going to have a rough week anyway, <laughs> coming back from Europe, then Seriously. back to work. And then, by the way, your favorite player is, uh, is checking out. And having to deal with me, codependency RS over here. <laughs> Just, a, um, there was a, a big WWE show this weekend oh, in, what's uh, there? in Wales. Oh, And so fun. I DM'd Josh at some point, <laughs> said, I think you're a fucking genius. You have lured her. <laughs> To the UK thinking this is about the honeymoon. She's going to be shocked when she gets to the stadium and sees this wrestling show. He said uh, he pushed hard for it and was was vetoed. She would have divorced him <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> On your honeymoon. That's, uh, yeah. that's always good. It was a good run. Uh, Vanessa, I appreciate you coming in and doing this. Oh, thank you. I love being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, she's on Twitter at VanceAnn3000. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, every weekend, the TSN radio network. She's got game. For Vanessa, my name is Matt. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there and uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, hockey season upon us. The NFL is returning. We got lots to come. And I believe later this week, Dave Bedini from the Rio Statics and also uh, written many a book on uh, hockey. He's big time involved with a, uh, a docuseries that's coming out later this month on CBC. This is the 50th anniversary, Vanessa, of the Summit Series between Canada and Russia. Oh my God, that's so cool. So uh, they have a docuseries coming out and Dave's going to be a big part of that. So he's going to come on and talk to us about that. I believe that's happening later this week. Stay tuned on uh, our social media feeds at Tall Can Audio. We'll keep you posted. Until then, for Vanessa, my name's Matt. We'll catch you all next time. No man, he's been on your mind. Distant looks in your eyes. The thought that time you realize it's over, over. It's not the way I choose to live. Something somewhere's gotta give Sharing this relationship gets older, older
Because I want it all 